This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Greg Kelly, the latest breaking news and opinions, entertaining and informative. Hey, hello, hello. Um, June 17th, how hot is it outside right now? What's it, what's it, it's like, it's not as bad as they said it's going to be. It's not 90 degrees out there. It's warm and that's fine. Uh, 50 years ago today, by the way, Watergate was busted into by the, uh, G. Gordon Liddy and those crazy Cubans. And that brought on the whole Watergate scandal. A lot, a lot, a lot of fake news out there about Watergate. I know not everybody's as obsessed with it as I am, but, uh, it is a, a subject of fascination for me. I will touch upon it in a little bit. In the meantime, who saw that debate last night, the gubernatorial debate, uh, Tom Swazi, uh, Kathy Hochul, terrible job by her, terrible, and Jemani Williams. Look, I, uh, I'm i not really, you know, I'm not a Democrat. I'm also not a Republican, although I definitely lean right in just about everything, but I did not register as a Republican. Um, whatever you think, whoever you are, whatever your ideology, you can't go with somebody like Kathy Hochul. I mean, my goodness gracious, what a vapid, clueless woman. She obviously knows nothing of what she's talking about. She also is just virtue signaling like crazy because that's what's in right now. You know, looking for any black or Latino to uh, join her ticket. That's what she did. Jamani Williams called her out on that. That was really nice. Just, um, overall cluelessness and, uh, you know, she won't fire. She doesn't have the nerve to fire somebody like Alvin Bragg. And that's something that Tom Swazi has basically vowed to do. He's going to straighten out the situation. Uh, he was terrific. Uh, the moderators stunk. The moderators absolutely stunk. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's get a taste of what happened. I know most people didn't see it. You know, it's over and done with before you can blink. It's one hour long. Short, right? Cut eight. Cut eight, please. Uh, Tom Swazi, I believe this is. Okay, we have another question I, I, about David, curriculum. I have to answer one thing. She said that I support the Don't Say Gay law, which is she knows 100%, Governor. You know, Governor, 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 you know that that's not true. I said very clearly I'm a 100% against that law. Back in 2009, okay. I wrote right, an op-ed piece to the New York Times All right, Mr. Swazi, you, you, you. Yeah, they're always jumping in trying to protect her. But the thing about it is... Kathy Hochul did not have the nerve to even look at Tom Swazi. Hey, by the way, I support the uh, the law in Florida. I don't care what you call it. Look, you know, I wish I could appoint anybody I wanted, the exact person that I wanted for these jobs. But I actually, I don't wish that because that wouldn't be good. Um, no, we got to vote on these things and we have a choice. And in the Democrat primary, you Democrats have a choice. And if you go with Kathy, the incumbent governor who knows nothing, it's so obvious. Go back there. She's like one of those ladies, forgive me, who uh, sits in the beauty parlor all day long with that. Remember the big giant hair dryer? They would sit there and it would. Why don't they have those anymore, by the way? What happened to those? You don't see them as much. Okay, let's see here. We heard from, let's see, Kathy. Uh, here we go. Uh, here's uh, Kathy. Looks like she's never even seen a subway in her entire life. Cut five. 
Ms. Hochul, one aspect of your subway safety plan involves using teams of social workers to move more severely mentally ill people off the trains and into psychiatric hospitals where they can get help, even if they haven't committed a recent dangerous act. Is that plan working? We focused on improving Kendra's law in the bail reform legislation that I just worked on to make sure that our laws are addressing the concerns of New Yorkers. And subway safety is paramount to giving people that sense of security as well as getting them back to their jobs. So I've been very focused on this with Mayor Adams. We teamed up together Whoa. and talked about a way to support people who may not be in a position to make decisions about their own health and welfare. They don't deserve to be living on a subway. That's inhumane. And Thank it's you. up to us as a society to recognize that Talk. housing is a basic human right. Mm. And I will make sure that we do everything we can to help these individuals get the support yeah. they need. And that's why our $25 billion plan has Money. over a billion dollars for supportive services as well. They are God's children as well. Uh, we're all God's children. Thanks, Kathy. I knew that. I also know a person full of hot air, virtue signaling. She kept on bragging about her association with failed mayor Eric Adams. That was kind of funny. Here's a moment. Here's a moment. I think of, uh, you know, this is Tom Swazi may be a career politician, but there are career politicians who want to get things done. And there are career politicians who just love the game of politics who are just there. For, I think this guy has always wanted to have the maximum impact he could uh, for the public good, not for, you know, like the blow dry, all that stuff and the, the TV cameras. That's not what motivates him. That's my firm belief here. Now, what about, oh, here's a, they love asking silly gotcha questions, okay? What would you do if Cuomo decided to endorse you? Which he's not going to endorse anybody. That's just a silly gotcha question, and I love what Tom Swazi did with this moment. Cut nine, please. Former Governor Andrew Cuomo has remained in the arena, so to speak, with TV ads and big speeches on current events. Briefly, if he offered you his endorsement, would you accept it and why or why not? Mr. Swazi. Yes, I would accept his endorsement. I think that he's still very popular among a lot of people in New York State. And while he has a lot of baggage along with what he's done, uh, he's accomplished a great deal in the state of New York. Good for him. Good for him. And he acknowledges, yeah, he's got baggage. Is he going to say no? Well, you know, look, it's probably not going to happen. Now, Kathy Hochul, who was handpicked by Governor Cuomo, right? She wouldn't be on that stage if it weren't for Governor Cuomo. Now, we can talk all about why Cuomo would pick an empty skirt like uh, Kathy, all right? Probably because she's such an empty skirt. I mean, he just wanted a woman for whatever reason. These things come in and out of fashion. And would she... Would she accept the endorsement of Governor Cuomo? Cut six, please. No, I would not, because the people of this state want us to look forward and not backward. That's what my leadership is bringing to this people, to the state of New York, as their governor. Ah, leadership. Yeah, leadership. Now, she was there during Black Lives Matter summer, right? Everybody throwing rocks at cop cars, burning down buildings, yelling and screaming their heads off, looting like crazy. And what did she do? What did she do? Now... She wasn't asked about that. Although Swazi did take some pretty good shots at her. Let's see here. Uh, Subway, you got to do this when you're when you're running. And uh, you know what? Look, he's at a disadvantage. He's not the incumbent. He doesn't have the kind of money that she has because she's in power and everybody wants to suck up to her right now. Betting on Swazi would be something of a long shot, but I think it's worth a bet. Not choosing sides here, mind you, but uh, all right, let's see. Uh, Tom Swazi. Uh, What's the question? Cut 10. 
Mr. Swazi, your 15-point crime intervention and prevention plan does not specifically mention the subways. What is your plan to keep New Yorkers safe underground? You have one minute. You know, we hear the governor's speech about, you know, we're spending money on this and we're going to get to that and we haven't executed it yet. People are not safer. Under this administration, they are not safer. They don't feel safe. And the governor has not made crime a priority. Getting people off the subway requires the efforts under Kendra's law to actually implement implement the law and actually expand the power under Kendra's law. We have 18 and a half million people in New York State. One and a half million people have a serious mental health problem, whether it's schizophrenia, bipolar, or severe depression. A lot of them don't take their medications. These are the people that we're concerned about that we have to help, and we have to get them off the subways and off the streets where they're a danger to themselves and to others. This happy talk that the governor is doing is not realistic. It's a pretension. This is the number one issue we face in the state, and the governor has not treated it like the number one issue that it is. Yeah, good for him. Good for him. And totally conversant in the issues, right? Uh, But Kathy, not so much. Uh, Cut seven, please. Parents will always be on the front line of decision-making when it comes to their children's education. But I will say that to say that someone, you know, Tom Swazi says he would not support uh, legislation, he supports legislation such as don't say gay, that is discriminatory. And this is the state of New York, the birthplace of the LGBTQ plus movement. We're proud of that. We willing to teach history. So, so, I, I just want to be clear. Would you support a mandate for the curriculum? We, I, I, everything has to be age appropriate and parents involved. Elementary. The question was about what elementary. What is age school. appropriate? Elementary right. school. That I'm going to get involved with the parents. I'm not going to stand what is here age appropriate? and make. A, excuse me. I'm giving an answer. I'd like to hear the answer. I will answer the moderator. Yes. This is something that we have to involve the parents, the teachers, and the local school boards. Um. Wow. It sounds like she supports that uh, bill actually in Florida, the one that she's trying to slam. Tom Swasey for uh, supporting, which he doesn't support. Now, I support it. Look, this is a Democrat primary, all right? This is different. But what I like about Swasey is he's he's running to the center. He is. He's not doing what Kathy is. What, who, who, who do you know among your friends is proud that this is the, what is it, the birthplace of the LGBTQ whatever? Is it? Are they still talking about that uh, riot? Or not even a riot. It was like a raucous night at the at some bar in the village in 1966 or something like that, Stonewall. I just We're just so over it. But no, she's all there, LGBTQ, LGBTQ. Um, oh, and the whole thing, this is good. Kathy Hochul went to the uh, Kamala Harris School of Debate, right? Do you remember Kamala Harris with Mike Pence? Her whole thing was, I'm speaking, Mr. Vice President. Excuse me, I'm speaking. That's 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 what happens here. Cut 12. Mr. Swazi, on the potential end of right to carry, how would you respond? you have a minute? We have a gun crisis and a crime crisis here in New York State. Melissa Russo referred to the fact that the governor evolved on this issue. Governor Kathy Hochul, when she was a member of the United States Congress, voted with the NRA, was endorsed by the NRA, and took money from the NRA. She says she's evolved. The only thing that's evolved are the governor's political ambition. The governor changes her positions based upon the office she's running upon. Now that she's running in a statewide election, she had a running mate who supported defund the police as his main plank running for controller of New York City. So I'll bring together the legislature and try and pass legislation if the Supreme Court 
court votes to overrule concealed carry. But remember, Kathy Hochul voted for concealed carry. Thank you, Mr. Swazi. Ms. Hochul, a brief rebuttal. This, those attacks, uh, where do I It's not begin? an attack, yeah. Governor. That's a, the facts. That, that you were is... endorsed by the NRA. You took money from the NRA. That's not an attack. That's the facts of the matter. I know you want to slough it off. Excuse me. Facts. It's my turn to answer the Go question. Right We've been waiting months for you to answer this question. Please stop interrupting me. The people want to hear my answer. The people want to hear my answer. Is it a debate or is it a press conference where you take turns? Is it a debate or a press conference? What the? You're supposed to mix it up. And the moderators, by the way, were not facilitating that, jumping in, interrupting. And the way they started this thing, I think, is this the moment where he says, we want to hear your answers in 30-second sound bites? What? Uh, th- this is the whole thing about a debate. We get to hear a bit more. Uh, here they are talking. What do they say? Cut one at the top, please. In your opinion, what's the border or landmark that divides upstate and downstate? Mr. Swazi. I say north of Putnam and Rockland County. Ms. Hochul. Upper border of Westchester. Mr. Williams. Upstate is an erection. And if you're from Brooklyn, upstate is actually the Bronx. Uh, but I'll probably <laughs> just say above Poughkeepsie. Good for him. That's a good answer. All right. That was, do me a favor, very early on, hey, Rich, Melissa Russo, who's um I used to know 20 years ago, nice person, but boy, she can't moderate these debates. We want to hear, we've, she says, we've heard all your speeches. Now we want to hear your answers in 30 seconds, your elevator pitch. If you met somebody on an elevator and you're only going to be with them for 30 seconds, what would you say? Well, that sounds like a freaking TV commercial. All right. That's what we see. We see the TV commercials. How about a, a fuller, uh, discussion for adults? 30 seconds. 30 seconds, please. All right. So what do you want to do? Um, hey, remember, Tom Swazi is endorsed by, I believe, the New York Post. Again, I know he's a Democrat. He probably hates Trump. And I, I'm really for, I like Astorino. I like Giuliani. But uh, this is what it is at the time being. You got a choice on the Democrat side. And Hochul would be the worst. And by the way, What's up with that billion-dollar sweetheart deal for some stadium they don't need in Buffalo? Take a good look at that and what her husband has been up to. Hey, let's put her husband front and center. Who's he? This is a one-term congresswoman that nobody knows from upstate New York. Before that, she was the county clerk in Buffalo. And before that uh, and since, a very wealthy woman. Uh, I don't trust her. I'm sorry. But Tom Swazi's been around. People know him. And I think New York would be a hell of a lot better with him. I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Greg Kelly. This is the Greg Kelly Show. Mm. I had no intention of doing this. None. I was doing so well today. But this is the first time. Thank you, Rich. There's ice cream cake. Ice cream cake. I have not been around ice cream cake in at least two. I don't know. I can't remember. Man, there's uh, 
I cannot, I cannot refuse ice cream cake. It's from Carvel. It's amazing. Whose birthday was it anyway? It was Matt Meany's birthday. Oh, yeah? Our program director. Wait a second. No, it was his birthday yesterday. the other day. Yesterday was his birthday, he told me. Is this leftovers or something? Or? Uh, new, no, it was new cake from today. They didn't have cake yesterday. Right. So. Well, he's a grown man, for crying out loud. This whole thing about celebrating birthdays, multiple, was, I mean, and I think after a certain age, like maybe nine, you're kind of done, except if you're a girl. I noticed that women can't stop talking about their birthdays. They just go crazy. Oh, my God, my friends, yay, it's my birthday. You did nothing. You got older. So what? Um, what else about that? Oh, and I do think if you're going to do anything on your birthday, instead of making it about you, make it about your mother if you can, if you're happy, if you're lucky enough and your mom's still around, whatever. Because think of the stuff that she went through on your birthday. Think if you've got a dad, what about the stuff that he had to go through? You know? Mm. All right. Um, anyway, happy birthday to Matt Meany. All right, good for him. Grow up already. Uh, hey, it's Juneteenth on Monday. Are you ready? Woohoo! Wow! Uh, what the hell is it again? Um, cut 41, please. We have a cookbook first. Watermelon and Redbirds. It's a cookbook for Juneteenth and Black Celebrations. The start of Juneteenth celebrations kicking off across the Bay Area. Bronx is honoring Juneteenth with a flag raising at Borough Hall. Today's a special day because it's Juneteenth. The Black Food and Wine Experience honors Juneteenth, the holiday that celebrates the end of slavery. Soul of a Nation presents the Sound of Freedom. A Juneteenth celebration. The event special premieres Friday at 8, 7 Central on ABC. All right. Wow, Juneteenth, here to stay, federal holiday. Now, what the hell is it? Let's ask the president of the United States, Joe Biden. He'll, he should know, right? After all, he made it a national holiday. This is cut 43, please. Cut 43 from Joe Biden. He's going down to Texas on Juneteenth, right? The first major massacre, literally speaking, of the uh, Black Wall Street, right, years ago. Okay, he's wrong. That's not Juneteenth. Uh, that's not Juneteenth. He's the, the Tulsa massacre is something else, independent of Juneteenth. But Joe got it mixed up. That's what he does because, let's face it, he doesn't really know what Juneteenth is, and he doesn't really care. You can look it up from 1972 when he gets elected to the U.S. Senate to 2020 when he starts running for U.S. president. He mentioned Juneteenth zero times. He does not know what Juneteenth is. To this day, he doesn't know what Juneteenth is. He really doesn't. All right, so what is Juneteenth? Do we have the, uh, let's get the official, all right, NBC News, they always screw up stuff, but uh, here they are kind of setting the story straight about Juneteenth. Cut 44. On June 19th, 1865, a Union general and some 2,000 troops arrived in Galveston Bay, Texas, to tell more than 250,000 freed black people that they no longer had to live enslaved. All freedom. All right. That's awesome. I'm all for, I was all against slavery, and I'm all for freedom. Well, I wasn't around back then. I used to think that um, Abraham Lincoln and the Emancipation Proclamation, and, you know, no, uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to diversify our holidays. We're going to narrow cast. And we'll have a three-day weekend, even though we got a three-day weekend for July 4th in two weeks. We'll have another one. Yeah, that's what that's what America needs, I hear, right? More days off. 
Hey, can you believe it, though, that Donald Trump would not even care about Juneteenth? I mean, my goodness gracious, look, I love the president, but he wasn't, he wasn't talking about Juneteenth. I mean, can you believe that? No. What an insensitive man, right? Totally insensitive. Yeah, the fake news really called him out on this. Sometimes you just got to call him out. Cut 45. Trump is so oblivious, he didn't even realize how messed up it would be to have a rally on Juneteenth. Listen, Brother Trump, man, I'm born in Tulsa, so I, I don't want to get started with Tulsa now. Donald Trump originally planned his first rally on Juneteenth, just right by the site of one of the worst racist slaughters in American history. All right. So, um, can't believe it, his obliviousness about Juneteenth. Now, Barack Obama, of course, he knew all about Juneteenth, first black president, and he was going to use that 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 pulpit, the opportunity, especially on the first Juneteenth as president, to tell everybody what Juneteenth is and how important it is to all of us, especially black folk, right? So what did Barack Obama do on June 19th, the first Juneteenth of 2009, where he's president? Lay it on me, Barack Tell me how important this day is to you. Cut 46. I want to express my appreciation for the opportunity to tell jokes that uh, weren't funny enough for me to use when we did this five weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. That was Juneteenth. No kidding. And he, he, he didn't go to a rally. He went to... He went to a a joke fest with reporters. Cut 47. What did he do on Juneteenth in 2013? As I've said, uh, Angela and I don't exactly look like previous German and American leaders. Wow. Another joke. This guy doesn't seem to take Juneteenth seriously at all. They only use it to get Trump. You can thank Donald Trump because he did make it famous. If they couldn't use it against him, they wouldn't have gone there, period. More ice cream cake. I'll be right back. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. Ah, an amazing thing, this ice cream cake. Tom Carvel, we thank you wherever you are. This is uh, the straightforward ice cream cake, vanilla and chocolate with that chocolate driveway gravel stuff in between Um, and incredible icing. I never realized how much I like the icing. The icing is uh, the icing on the cake. All right. It just is. ah. All right. Whose birthday is next? we got to make it somebody else's birthday. When's your birthday? Let's get more of these things. This is the last. I finished it, by the way. There's no more. Um. Of course, after the next after this break, I got to go back and clean it up. I didn't quite have time. It's still out there. Um, all right, hey, isn't that wild? Don, uh, Barack Obama telling jokes, telling jokes on this important Juneteenth holiday. I know. I, I just I got one more joke. One more joke he pulled. Again, he could care less about Juneteenth. They only, none of them could. They used it as a political trick, a political tool to get Trump. I hear you. This is Juneteenth, 2015. Boy, oh boy, he's so full of himself. You know, the thing is, Barack Obama's not that funny. He's like funny the way the boss is funny. You know, the boss cracks a joke and everybody laughs, but it's not that funny. Biden's got that even worse. Uh, Cut 48, please. At the White House, he had 
uh, the old Bulls theme song, and I, it set a very high bar, as if I was Michael Jordan coming out. So, oblivious to Juneteenth. How could he on this June on that Juneteenth? Just blows it off. Now I know you can look it up. They put out paper statements, just like Donald Trump did, by the way. His White House did. Although he admitted it. He didn't know what it was. A lot of people didn't. And then they, oh, God, they told so many lies. There's this one guy from the New York Times now. He was with the Wall Street Journal. His name is Bender. Bender. I caught him in a big, fat lie. He made up stuff. You know, when you write a book, there's a tendency to make stuff up. There is for a lot of these guys, these fake news guys, because, you know, they think, uh, well, um, I'm just going to make this better. I just got to make this more interesting. And on this 50th anniversary of Watergate, you know who did that big time? Uh, Two guys named Woodward and Bernstein. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did they make stuff up? Now, and by the way, a lot of folks think they believe the fake news that uh, Woodward and Bernstein drove President Nixon from office. If it wasn't for Woodward and Bernstein... Um, he would have uh, you know, survived, that they uncovered Watergate. That is so not true. It's an absolute fiction perpetuated by uh, Woodward and Bernstein more than anybody else. No, they just leaked a lot of grand jury stuff. They printed a lot of stuff that was, quite frankly, illegal for them to print, grand jury testimony. You know, All the President's Men, the book, came out well before Nixon resigned, actually. A lot of folks don't realize that. It came out before Nixon resigned. Now, the movie is something else. The movie is entertaining as far as just theater, as a piece of cinema. It's just the atmospherics are very interesting. But none of that stuff happened, especially the whole uh, deep throat thing. That's made up. That is made up, 1,000% made up. Well, maybe 800% made up because they took a composite figure. They blended this guy with that guy and then... But all that stuff with the red flag on the balcony and the New York Times and meet you in the garage, all that stuff is fake. All right? I've done my own research on this, by the way. I actually went to Bob Woodward's old apartment in Washington, D.C. I think it was on 17, I can't remember, but I P Street maybe. I went to that apartment, tracked it down, and um, there's absolutely no way this was happening. But boy, oh boy, it made for a better story and a better movie. And that's what they were about. And unfortunately, those... Those silly guys infected so many people. One of the reasons why they made it up, they never thought that 50 years later people would still be reading that damn book. They thought they could get away with it, that nobody was watching. You know, it was a quick buck for them. They didn't realize that they would become, sadly, kind of foolishly, icons. Icons. Give me a break. Bob Woodward and Bernstein. Icons. They're hustlers. They're hustlers. Hey, by the way, Just keep this in mind. Nancy Pelosi is actually the second in line to the presidency. Second in line. First, there's Kamala. And then there's Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House. That's the way it works in uh, uh, our Constitution. This woman, Nancy Pelosi, who has no idea what's going on. Here's proof. Literally, this is this happened this week. Cut 49. Please cut 49. With all uh, the... um constraints that COVID has played. Look, we have the war in Iraq. We have COVID. Where is that war? Where did she say that war was one more time? 
with all of the um, constraints that COVID has played. Look, we have the war in Iraq. We have COVID. Sounded like the war in Iraq to me. Maybe the war in Iran. She's calling on the shots. If something happens to <laughs> then we got Joe and Kamala. Joe and Kamala. This is one of the weirdest moments in the history of moments, but uh, no one seems to care about it. Cut 50. I don't want to hear any more of these lies of reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. Man, I saw the reporters not react to that right after. That was something else. All right, so we got Biden, Harris, Pelosi, and these people are going to figure out what you should be saying on the Internet and not be saying on the Internet. Now, do you remember they tried this a while back with that digital governance board? Digital governance board, DGB, very similar to KGB. There was such such outrage. It, the government has no business doing any of this crap. And one of the problems they had, Mayorkas. What's his? Alejandro Mayorkas. He's the Homeland Security Secretary. He really should be in a home somewhere, you know, in some sort of institute taking it easy because he's crazy. And he's a liar. He comes to New York, goes to Al Sharpton's clubhouse. This is the Department of Homeland Security Secretary right now. He's not retired. He's not selling a book. He's supposed to be defending the homeland right now, this moment. And he goes to Al Sharpton's broken-down clubhouse in Harlem and says this, cut 53. The greatest terrorism-related threat that we face in the homeland is the threat of domestic violent extremism. Individuals drawn to violence because of ideologies of hate or false narratives propagated on social media and other online platforms. And the most prominent um, threat is the threat of white supremacists. That is a lie. That's wrong. He's not telling the truth. Absolute falsehood. The real threat is coming from Antifa. Antifa's real. And we see him raging around all the time, throwing rocks, burning things down. I hate white supremacists, by the way. But there aren't any there. There are four somewhere in the woods. So they got to pretend that it's a thing. Because you know what? I've been asking. Bill O'Reilly started this conversation He's like, how many arrests were there for white supremacy? Over the years, he tracked it. Four, six, two. It's not a thing. And by the way, you can't just get arrested if you believe in white supremacy. If you're that dumb and to believe the superiority of the white race, if that's your mindset, it's legal to have that mindset. You are, you are free to be wrong. You are free to think whatever you want to think. But when they actualize uh, something and try to, you know, violence, uh, try to take something down, whatever, obviously, that should be prosecuted. Can't do that kind of stuff. Um, But here they have a weird situation where they kind of want this stuff to happen so they can say it's a real thing. Does that make sense? I mean, here they arrested those guys in Idaho. Whoever the hell they were, it was the weirdest-looking group I had ever seen, and I don't actually think it is what they told us it was. They say it was a bunch of white supremacists out to break up a pride celebration in Idaho. That's the first place you go to find a pride celebration, right, Idaho? 
What did Joe Biden say about it? Uh, this is this is it. He gave him a, gave him something to talk about at a pride event. And it was so convenient because the arrest happened just a few days earlier. Cut 54. Just look at what happened in Idaho last weekend. 31 white supremacists stopped just before they reached the pride celebration where they apparently planned to unleash violence on people gathering peacefully in a show of their pride. I'm grateful for the swift response of law enforcement. And they responded. They responded. They responded. They responded. Now, I'm still trying to figure out what these guys did that was illegal. You're allowed to think certain things in America. Again, I could totally disagree with you. If you believe in Antifa and all that nonsense, you can think it all you want. You're allowed to. I disagree, but I find it abhorrent. But you're allowed to. These guys, it seems like they were arrested for a thought that they had. I don't know. And there are a lot of folks who look at that footage and look at these guys. What do they call them? The Patriot Front? And it looks like half of the guys might be feds. All right? And they have been known to stir people up. They have been known to instigate certain things. Andrew and Stanhope, yes, hello. Excellent show last night. Excellent show now. And if you remember Governor Whitmer, that turned out to be almost all feds except for one person. Yeah. So the whole crew was feds, Ray Epps. And like you said, it's not illegal to think, so why would they be arrested? Even if it was true, like, why would they be arrested until they take action? And they should, if they went after people, that's when they should be arrested. Plus, that would be a better charge because that would be like an attempted assault. But I don't think it's true. I think it's because of January 6th and they want to say, look, we're arrested, Trump, white supremacists, and they want to police your thoughts on the Internet. Like you said, they want to control what you could say about the vaccines. Yep. So I don't believe that. And lastly, uh, it was an African-American professor. She self-proclaimed at the time Democrat, and she studied, you know, sociologists, whites and, you know, so-called white supremacists. And she said it's almost non-existent that there could be tiny little pockets like in West Virginia. But she said the whites that she studied for two years, they care about the economy and uh, gas prices. Who was this professor? What was her her name? I'll I'll look it up and send it to you. She said they don't really care about the race of the people that live near them. They care about the schools and the jobs. All right. So it's not really a thing. I'd be curious to see it. I'd be curious to see it. Andrew, thank you for watching the TV show at 10 o'clock these days, everybody. 10 o'clock at night. Uh, By the way, actually, I kind of love the schedule. I'm sleeping better. I don't know what it is, but I sleep a hell of a lot better. And I have more time for working out, which is um, fabulous. Hey, Mike is in Queens. Yeah, Mike. Hi. Hi, Greg. I just want to let you know that the word grooming is being used quite a bit right now. I was one of the 14-year-olds from the St. Gregory's neighborhood that an attempted grooming was made by a Mr. Brown. Wait a second. Hold on a second. Uh, Gregory's where? What are you talking about? What? Who's going on? And be careful with your accusations here because, uh, you know, you're just a guy calling in on the radio uh, if Mr. Brown did something wrong to you, I want you to uh, report it and do whatever you can. All right. So what? What? What's St. Gregory? You talking about the one in uh, Upper West Side? Yeah, my, that was my neighborhood when I was fourteen. And something happened to you, Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown, 
who was a distinguished type of a guy with our parents in the neighborhood, used to pay us kids to go to the cleaning store on Columbus Avenue. Oh, boy. And when we got back to his ground floor apartment with windows, he would invite us in for a soda. All right, and something bad would happen? And eventually the soda went to showing us pornographic playing cards. All right, Mike, this sounds very terrible. Uh, have you uh, have you reported it? It sounds also like it happened, you know, a long time ago. I'm guessing you're I'm guessing you're older than me, and I'm not minimizing what happened or what you're alleging to have happened. Did you report this? Well, let me say this. If I told my father, who was a World War II combat vet, my father would have gone to jail. This guy, Mr. Brown, never fulfilled what he wanted with me, but he did with others in the neighborhood. All right. And uh, what happened was I, I no, I, I, I get the idea what happened. I'm sorry. But was he did you report it? Uh, I mean, not to your dad. I get it. You know, they're still looking into this stuff decades later. They have mechanisms where you can report uh, this kind of conduct. So uh, have you done that? Would you do that? Teenagers never tell anybody. That's the problem. Well, all right, I uh, fine. Fast forward to today. With this information you have right now, your testimony, you can go to the authorities and actually I believe to the archdiocese and report this. Do you know that? They're they're they're, they're listening to fo- folks like you who have these stories. Well, that's why I'm calling on on the radio because I'm sure thousands of other boys had this attempt made on them and some of them were successful. Now, what usually happens is... I know what usually old, happens, Mike. we got limited time, so just tell me what you what the point is, if you don't mind. Respectfully. The point is, if anybody wants to check out the word grooming, they can go on... Well, we know what that means. Most people have figured that out. So we the definition of that... So I, that wasn't your point, to call up with the grooming word. What is your point? My point is there were thousands and thousands of guys like me... Yeah. Who were lured by like these this? We know men. a lot of folks. We saw we saw Spotlight the movie. We know this. Uh, I mean, are you offering encouragement to come forward? What are you doing? Again, what is the point? Because we know what I'm you de- just said. Go ahead. I'm defending some of the things that are coming across the radio, and I'm defending the city councilman from Queens, who's been labeled by the the mayor a homophobe because she said that none, none of these. Uh, transvestites are going to allow, be allowed in the Bayside Elementary School. And Eric Adams called that person a homophobe, right? Yes. All right, yeah, um, I don't agree with that, by the way. he's. But let's face it, though. I mean, Mr. Brown, whoever you're talking about, kept it under wraps, right? I mean, he wasn't advertising by any means. So we don't know what yet Mr. Brown took advantage of you or tried to. So you never know what these people look like. Now, I want to be quite clear, though. These cross-dressers, whatever, they do not belong at story time with children. And I know there are people out there who say, oh, Greg, that's your, you're being ignorant. No, hey, spare me your sophistication, okay? The kids and transvestites don't go together. 18, you can have a talk. Mayor Adams came out. Actually, there's a lot of people like you, Mike, concerned about this. This is what Mayor Adams, is this leadership? He comes out and he says, This is his official statement last night. Drag storytellers and libraries and schools that support them are advancing a 
love of diversity, personal expression, and literacy that is core to what our city embraces. Wow. I, I would love a city, city government to embrace safety. We'll figure out the love part. Unbelievable. Mike, I appreciate the call. I got to go. Greg Kelly. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Uno. He's your numero uno. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. You know, for, uh, for decades I've been hearing about how smart this judge is, Judge Michael Ludig, the star witness yesterday at the phony baloney January 6th hearings. Um, the poor judge seems to be having some sort of medical issue. I feel totally at peace, by the way, ripping on this guy because here he is putting himself out there and the committee like he's the chief justice, like he's the sitting chief justice of the United States. No, he's basically at this point, he's an ex judge. So that makes him essentially a lawyer that they hired to say what they want to be said. It was thoroughly unimpressive. He's just a guy with an opinion. And, of course, what is that opinion? Donald Trump is a clear and present danger. And, oh, by the way, he even said the supporters of Donald Trump are a clear and present danger. You know what? Go suck wind. Now, where is this guy? On my show last night, it was actually here. I, You tell me, is this guy, does this guy have a screw loose? Is there something going on with him? I think there is. So he's asked point blank, you know, hey, could you explain this for us, for us non-lawyers, what's going on here? The whole thing with the 12th Amendment. You know, a lot of us thought that Mike Pence had the option to send these electoral votes back to the state capitals. That wouldn't have been overturning the election. That would have been ensuring that those votes were all together because there were people in the state legislatures who had their own doubts and their own evidence of malfeasance. So some people say the 12th Amendment says that. Some people say the 12th Amendment doesn't. What do you think, Judge? And here we go with, um, I don't know what the hell's going on here. Cut 66, please. Cut 66. I believe is is what happened within the White House and elsewhere. Stop, 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 stop. That's not what I wanted to play. Uh, oh, here it is. Cut 67. Cut 67. This is better. Judge Ludig, at the risk of oversimplifying for the non-lawyers who are watching, is it fair to say that the 12th Amendment basically says two things happen? The vice president opens the certificates and the electoral votes are counted. Is it that straightforward? <laughs> I would not want that to be my testimony before the Congress of the United States. Mm -hmm. The language of the 12th Amendment is that simple. Uh, well, make up your mind. Do you want it to be your testimony or not want it to be? 
All right, listen to the question again. Is this funny or what? That is not edited. That's not a pause that I put in. He's just sitting there dumbfounded by a pretty direct question, which he does not answer. He undermines his own answer. It's crazy. What's going on here, Judge? All right, one more time. Judge Ludig, at the risk of oversimplifying for the non-lawyers who are watching, is it fair to say that the 12th Amendment basically says two things happen? The vice president opens the certificates and the electoral votes are counted. Is it that straightforward? One, two, three, four, five, six. I would not want that to be my testimony before the Congress of the United States. The language of the 12th Amendment is that simple. Uh, sure, sure. So this is the guy. What a horribly corrupt event, these January 6th hearings. You need Jim Jordan to come in and say, excuse me, what the hell are you talking about? You know, the guy who doesn't wear a jacket. Love that dude. Hey, when we come back, uh, <laughs> looks like some guys in Florida have been arrested. Their chief crime, the really bad thing, the big mistake they made was being white and getting angry at a black teenager. Oh, boy. We're talking Cancel City. Be right back. Greg Kelly, the latest breaking news and opinions, entertaining and informative. All right, the results from last night's debate. we got to get serious about this, folks. Uh, we have a gubernatorial election in November, and we have two primaries coming up. We talked about the Republican primary. You know, I love that Andrew Giuliani. I like Rob Astorino. Uh, and now we have the Democrats. They are trying to sort this out as well. Governor Hochul is the absolute pits. Now, why is she the pits? Well, she will not take control of the situation. She doesn't have it in her. You know, we have total anarchy in New York City. And what does she do? She sucks up to uh, Eric Adams and talks about how much they have in common. Uh, firing Alvin Bragg or at least straightening him out, calling him up, threatening him a little bit. That's not on the table. Threatening him. Yeah, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do that to you. I'm going to withhold this. I'm going to make I'm going to embarrass you publicly if you don't start doing stuff. You can do that as a political figure. Hell, it's a little bit of fun. Call up Rudy Giuliani. He knows how to. How to make things happen, how to turn the screws on these guys when you're when you got a big job. Anyway, she's may have a big job, uh, but she has no clue. Nothing does not know what to do with it. All right. She lost badly last night. I thought Tom Swazi totally cleaned her clock. Uh, Jumani Williams more than held his own. But you know who was, uh, again, the big loser? The media. How they started this debate. How superficial. How silly. This is the debate, right? This is this is a big moment, but they're not big people. People in the press, they got small brains, short attention spans. How can you start a a conference of ideas like this? All right, this is not the first time they did it. By the way, they did they pulled the same crap with the mayor's election, the mayor's debate. All right, so we have finally have a chance to hear from the uh, the candidates. Right, listen to the ground rules. Listen to the first. Uh, Who's this? Melissa. Nice person. Uh, 
governmental affairs reporter. Ooh, government. No, you're just a fake news schlock like the rest of them. Go ahead. We'll begin with something different tonight to test your hopeful vision for the state of New York. We've already heard your campaign speeches. Now we want you to make your case to a few specific New Yorkers. We call it the 30-second elevator pitch. This is your opportunity to convey your optimistic idea quickly and powerfully. We'll begin with you, Congressman Swazi. Now stop for a second. A 30-second elevator speech. Elevator pitch. 30 seconds. Hey, how long do TV commercials come? 30 seconds. She says she's seen all the speeches. Guess what? The people haven't. They'll sit around looking for gotcha moments and, oh, uh, the, no, governmental affairs so-called reporters do that. The people don't. So here it is, the very first question in a debate. They say, you've got to give us your answer in 30 seconds. That was the whole, that's the beauty of a debate, right? And how would you tell a voter? These people can do that in their sleep, by the way. I, 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 I'm, I, I'm, I'm appalled. <laughs> I am appalled by this. You should be too. Melissa Russo and NBC News. And again, I call them out after the mayoral debate. They did the same damn crap again. And oh, by the way, even though Tom or whoever she's talking to can only have 30 seconds, you'll notice these people just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Kind of like me. (laughs) But I mean, I don't have Tom Swazi. He's the one running for governor. You know what you do? You get him talking right away. How you doing? So what are you going to do? What's wrong with her? What's good about you? You get them talking. Silly questions. What is it, a game show? What does she say next? Today in New York, the price of gas is $5 a gallon. Meat, milk, you name it, everything is up dramatically as inflation soars. Across the state, people are struggling to pay their bills. How do you convince a mom or dad who's trying to make ends meet that their financial situation will improve if you become the governor? Please look into the camera and give that family your 30-second elevator pitch. Your time starts now. Stop. Right? How superficial is this? I I just, I am, uh, remember this, the media, print and television, they are superficial, they're vapid, they don't know anything. And given the opportunity to actually do something, a debate for an hour, they come up with these little silly, stupid parameters. Everything about a debate is supposed to defy those confines, 30 seconds, elevator speech, talk to that one person. Uh, are you with me? Are you with me? What do you think? I think it's terrible. Get NBC News on the phone. Seriously, I got to get NBC News on the phone. Um. By the way, Tom is great in his answer, although he does that whole Spanish routine, although he speaks it about 10 times better than... Uh, a certain mayor we all remember. Go ahead. You have his answer? Oh, Buenas noches. Me llamo Tom Swazi. <laughs> Estoy corriendo para gobernador con mi compañera Diana Reina. Necesitamos su apoyo. We need everybody's help. And you need our help. Stop you for a second. Elected- I feel like I could already speak Spanish. Just by, You know what I mean? Like, I could follow what that guy said. My name is uh, Tom Swazi. My running mate is uh, Diana Reyes. Good evening. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it is kind of intuitive, I guess, at this point. Um, 
So very, very bad there. And then the other thing, oh, watch out, folks. Watch out. This is, there's something very strange happening. It's been going on for a long time. Now, I didn't like it, quite frankly. I hated it. And I was one of the first people to praise liberal filmmaker Michael Moore when he came out. This is a long time ago, 20 years ago, actually. And he said, what's happening in this country is wrong. We are demonizing people based on race. Absolutely. And he showed example after example after example of the media breathlessly. And I think that the tone was very sinister, demonizing black people. He was. Absolutely. He was absolutely right. And they absolutely were doing it. And then things actually started to change. And then race was kind of de-emphasized in a lot of media coverage. But now it's back. And who's sinister now? Who's always the bad guy now? It's the white guy. It is the white guy. I didn't like it when it was the black guy. I don't like it when it's the white guy. Listen to what's going on. Now, this is a... There's murder and mayhem every single day, right? Everywhere, especially in this country these days. Murder and mayhem. Now, there was a dispute over a car going too fast. Somebody threw a rock at a car. Let's put that in perspective for a moment. Somebody threw a rock at a car and nobody was hurt. The press shows up. Law enforcement shows up. Social media has gone completely bananas. Two people are in jail, and it looks to me like a good chunk of this has to do with the color of their white skin. They've been demonized for something they can't control. I want to take this from the top. All right, so some kids in the neighborhood, allegedly he was speeding and doing donuts, you know, peeling out in the neighborhood. Got a lot of people upset. So let's take it away from local news anchorman, somebody or other. Down in Sanford? Is it Sanford, Florida? All right, go ahead. There's more fallout from this video showing the damage to a black teenager's car. He and his mother claimed two white men attacked the car in a Sanford neighborhood. It was a gated community because they say he was speeding and because he's black. Channel 9's Jeff Deal talked with the teen and his mother today. And Jeff, they said one of the men did have a gun. Yes, and even though it was never pointed at him, the teen said that's when he really started to feel scared. And they feel like if this driver was a white guy like me, for example, even if I was speeding through that neighborhood, it never would have escalated to a situation like this. And also they were concerned about some of the language they heard from neighbors who live in this community who were telling him to get out of the neighborhood, that he doesn't belong there, makes him think that he was treated this way because he's black. A broken window and damaged car. 16-year-old Jermaine Jones showed us the aftermath of a frightening encounter inside the gated Forest Lake community. Get out of my face. I'm not in your face. face. Get out of my neighborhood. This is the cell phone video he captured after he was confronted and surrounded by white neighbors while he was trying to park at his friend's house. He said one of the men, now identified as Howard Hughes, struck his car with a cone. 
and said Donald Corsi threw a large rock through the window. And he explained the story to me, and I'm like, you mean to tell me that grown men did this to you? His mother called it scary. They believe this was a hate crime. Even though Jermaine's passenger was white, some of the language directed at him by neighbors made him feel discriminated against. Get out of this neighborhood. Get out of this neighborhood. You don't belong here. The two men were arrested for charges related to the rock and the cone. We stopped at Donald Corsi's business to try to get his side of the story, but no one answered. Records indicate Hughes is a supervisor for a business that runs McDonald's franchises in Orlando. No one returned our calls from there either. No respect. This is a neighborhood where little kids play. Friends. And you come running out here like you think you're a race car driver. But he didn't think adults in that neighborhood handled it the right way. I don't think what they did was right. Um, I don't think they had the right to throw a rock through my car and damage it and also assault my friend with the coon. And Jermaine told us he doesn't know if he really even feels safe going into this neighborhood anymore. He said he had nightmares that very first night after that happened, and then last night he said he had trouble sleeping. Reporting live in Seminole County, Jeff Deal, Channel 9 Eyewitness News. Totally biased, totally one-sided, racially height. A, a cone, a cone. You ever see a cone? Those are plastic, rubbery things. Assaulted somebody with a cone. Is that possible? Now, not one word. I've seen videotape of this guy screeching through the neighborhood, going like crazy, crazy, driving like crazy. Now, if I've seen it, that reporter has seen it, and it's not in the damn story. How about that? And let's just big picture here for a moment. All right. A rock was thrown at a car and it's on the news. Not only is it the local news down there, it's on national news now. And these guys, whether their names, Corsi and Hughes, Corsi and Hughes. And guess what? I've already I've seen their mugshots. And down in Florida, they don't mess around when they arrest you. They put you in the the prison jumpsuit right away. (laughs) Um They're going to Corsi's place of business, looking for an explanation. Hughes' place of business, looking for an explanation. Did they talk to this kid, Jermaine Jones, and ask for an explanation as to why he was driving through the neighborhood like a maniac with his friend hanging out the window? Get out of this neighborhood, I heard. Oh, is that racist? Is it? You know, I've seen that sign a million times since I was a kid. Neighborhood watch. This neighborhood is guarded by neighborhood patrol. Uh, you're under survey. I mean, all that's uh, neighbors. A neighborhood is a thing, right? It's it's like exists and neighbors helping neighbors. And you have a car going through that in a way that could kill some kid. Now, I saw uh, Jermaine Hughes, the the news called him a victim. Uh, this is quite a character. This kid, he's got a haircut that, well, <laughs> the you go to my Twitter at Greg Kelly USA. I've already put it up there. His hair is covering his eyes. What is it, cousin? It he looks like some sort of uh, character from the Sesame Street show. I mean, I, I you can't see his eyes when he's talking because his hair is down over his eyes. It's 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 like a laugh out loud funny haircut. Somebody said, "Oh, actually, that's a good point." No, I'm trying to think of what he looks like. Anyway, you can't see him. You can't see the kid. Maybe he didn't know how he, maybe he had a driving snafu. Maybe he made a mistake. I don't think so. 
And I think the first thing he did was grabbed his cell phone. You, t- you, you point it at a man who's white and angry. You got yourself possibly a million dollars. You got yourself a viral video. You got yourself influence. You got yourself power. You got yourself some exposure. You got yourself what everybody seems to want these days. Maximum attention for minimal effort. Maximum attention for minimal to no effort. That's what it's all about. Oh, why get up and do something when you can just play with your phone? Huh? When you can just drive around and then see what happens and just videotape, just roll. Ooh, look at the angry man. Ooh, look at the angry white man. How about that? That makes matters much worse, doesn't it? And here I am. Oh, gosh. There was not. It's not racist. What happened here was not. I saw the way that kid was driving. Now, should a rock had been thrown at the car? No. Should I know that a rock was thrown at a car in some nowhere town in Florida? Of course not. But this this is an attempt to influence behavior, to neuter people, to make you submit to the mob. Don't fall for it. Be right back. Greg Kelly. This is the Greg Kelly Show. Hey, God bless Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas, Justice Clarence Thomas. You think about that man, what he's been through, what they put him through during those confirmation hearings, an embarrassment to all of us. And boy, he was he was magnificent. I mean, he shouldn't have been in that spot, but when he fought back, how he fought back. Do you remember? And by the way, it wasn't <laughs> sexual harassment. I mean, you think about what Anita Hill alleged about this guy, which was basically nothing, um, and what they put him through for it, what Joe Biden put him through for it. Clarence Thomas, October 1991, cut 70, go. This is a circus. It's a national disgrace. And from my standpoint, as a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it is a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks. And it is a message that unless you kowtow to an old order, this is what will happen to you. You will be lynched, destroyed, caricatured by a committee of the U.S. US Senate rather than hung from a tree. Wow. That's something else, man. That is something else. And he's speaking the truth. A high-tech lynching. Well, he's on the court. Happens to be one of the brilliant, the most brilliant jurists. Our fake news, our horrible media culture uh, tried to make an issue out of uh, when he talked and how much he talked. We found out, <laughs> for anybody who was wondering just how brilliant he is during covid when they had to get rid of seniority for asking questions, and I guess they they did it because it was on the phone. No, how do they do it? They had to go by seniority. So the most senior person asked the question first, and he's most senior. One of them, I think, uh, right after the Chief Justice, he says he has been there the longest. Well, the Chief Justice has been there shorter, but uh, he always gets pressed. Anyway, he's a brilliant guy, and now they're going after his wife, uh, Virginia Thomas. Jeannie, she goes by. And what did she do that was so wrong? And they're talking about bringing her up to the damned phony impeach the hearings, the January 6th hearings. What did she do? 
she cheered on, just like, quite frankly, I did, those who wanted to ensure that the election was free and fair. And I was never insured, assured, reassured. I wasn't. What did she do? She sent Mark Meadows, the chief of staff, and I don't, I'm not shocked that the wife of the most senior justice on the Supreme Court should have the phone number of some guy named Mark Meadows, who was a congressman one day, chief of staff the next, and now he's just Joe Citizen again. And what did she write in a text message? Help this great president stand firm, Mark. Biden and the left is attempting the greatest heist of our history. Well, that's an opinion, and a lot of people share it, and she's a citizen. She didn't give up anything by marrying Ginny Thomas, although actually in many ways she did. Her privacy. Um, yeah. Big price, big price. Text message after text message, totally harmless. Now, one, she says, look, the people who stole this election, they're going to wind up in Gitmo. Well, I mean, that might be a little bit over the top. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen, but you're allowed to think these things in America. It's still America, ma'am. This is still America, ma'am. Love that. I think that should be on a flag. Tatiana Ibrahim from Carmel, New York. This is still America, ma'am. I love it. I love it. Leave her alone. Got it? All right. Hey, I got to do one more thing on that Sanford, Florida case. Is it Sanford, Florida? And there's some greater sensitivity because this is where Trayvon Martin was. Trayvon Martin was killed. Now, Trayvon Martin is another great big hoax. In fact, they call it the Trayvon Martin hoax. Try to make Trayvon Martin look like an innocent little baby just on his way to get Skittles. And he was shot while being black getting Skittles, right? That's the whole narrative. And George Zimmerman went after him. George Zimmerman, by the way, also a person of color. George Zimmerman, who was being killed by Trayvon Martin. They never tell you about that, do they? A lot of them don't even know that. Barack Obama didn't know that, and even if he did, I think he still wanted to racialize that moment for his own political benefit. Helped to destroy America, destroying America, but he got a second term, and now he's a billionaire. Must be nice. I'll be right back. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. Oh. Let's see here. I made some news again. Let's see who's going after me now. MediaMatters.org. Newsmax's Greg Kelly says January 6th rioters were intentionally led in the Capitol building to stop the GOP from objecting to the election. Yes, I definitely said that. Um, And I, I stand by it. Lots of folks said that they were trying to stop the count. No, they were led in to stop the objections. That's what I firmly believe. They were let in. This was somehow facilitated to stop the objections, which were successfully underway. Absolutely. Let's see here. I can't complain, actually, about this Media Matters piece, which generally, uh, you know, they hate me. But um, they are just quoting me. And uh, let's see here. It looks like I was accurately quoted. No beef. Thank you, Media Matters. And go ahead and retweet this at Greg Kelly USA. Thank you very much. I stand by my comments. I stand by my story. We stand by our story. Oh, that's something else about this Watergate thing. So Watergate. 
uh, 17 years ago. No, uh, I'm sorry. 50 years ago today, June 17th, 1972, the plumbers, those Cuban guys, G. Gordon Liddy, I think, was supervising. They broke into the Democrat National Committee headquarters in the Watergate Hotel in Washington, D.C., and they were caught. A security guard noticed something a little bit suspicious, a door that was taped open, had a little tape on the the part that goes into the notch, you know, and he called the cops. The cops showed up and arrested five guys. And quickly, it was linked to the Committee to Reelect the President, a private entity outside the White House, although it was just outside the White House. 1701 Pennsylvania Avenue is where they had their headquarters. Uh, these guys, these burglars, were clearly talking to people at the committee, maybe even people at the White House. Um, and then what happened? Well, I guess the rest is history. But a lot of it is uh, fake history, fake news. I already told you Bob Woodward was not meeting with Deep Throat in the garage and the red flag and all that stuff. That's a bunch of nonsense. Um, also, Nixon's crimes. I got to go back. Look, next week I'm going to have Dwight Chapin on. Now, Dwight Chapin was the appointment secretary to Richard Nixon, a great guy. I'm jo- enjoying his book right now, The President's Man. It's uh, it's fascinating. Stuff I never knew about Nixon uh, a native New Yorker. Well, no, not a native New Yorker, but he was living in New York when he was elected president in 1968. Uh, he was sleeping, staying at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. Now I think about it every time I go by the Waldorf. That's where Nixon was when he found out he was the next president of the United States. Pretty wild. Oh. And he lived on the Upper East Side. He lived in a bunch of different places in New York. When he got back from World War II, he worked in New York City. Nixon did as a naval lieutenant commander, and I think also as a civilian for a brief period of time. He lived on the Upper West Side. Richard Nixon is a fascinating guy. And you know what's kind of cool? I'm I'm friends with his grandson, Christopher Nixon Cox, who I think someday could be president of the United States himself. A very, very impressive young man. Uh, So wait, today is Watergate anniversary, and what do I want to say about that? There's a lot of fake news. And um, I'll get back to that. In the meantime, uh, I want to play another media report on that situation in Florida where a kid was driving recklessly through a neighborhood. And what happened? A rock was thrown through his window. Now, for all the stuff that's going on in the world right now, this is a, a rock going into someone's car and no one's hurt, by the way. It's a big, 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 big deal story. International, national news, and local news. Go ahead and hit it. This story, this one is a bit more fair than the other one that we just played. Go for it. Five now, the Seminole County Sheriff's Office arresting two men after a pair of teens say they were threatened and assaulted while driving through a local neighborhood. This happened on Tuesday along Maple Glen Place in Samford. The Sheriff's Office says during the encounter, one of the men threw a large stone through the car window. News 6's Catherine Silver is looking into this case and has the details. This story is now getting national attention after the teen posted video of the aftermath of this confrontation on social media. He told me today that he started recording because he feared for his life. Right here, buddy. Right here. Tell him what you were doing. Burning out, racing through my 
neighborhood. The video now going viral shows the confrontation between two teen boys and a group of neighbors in the Lake Forest subdivision. Get out my face. I'm not in your face. face. The aftermath seconds after 16 year old Jermaine Jones says two men hit his car with a construction cone and threw a stone through a window. The video shows the stone resting in the back seat. This is where the cone hit and the rock. The damaged Mercedes now sits in Jones's driveway. I'm thinking the rock hit like right here and then continued into the car because um, you can see right here like there's scratch marks. Deputies later arrested these men, Donald Corsi and Howard Hughes. They say Corsi threw the stone and Hughes hit one teen with the construction cone. Both are facing property damage charges, among others. Jones admits the confrontation happened after he was speeding through the gated neighborhood Tuesday on the way to visit a friend's house. When we got in the neighborhood, we turned onto a street and I guess the people that lived on that street, they didn't like the way I turned the corner. The sheriff's office says this surveillance video from a neighbor's home is now part of the investigation. <laughs> it appears to show Jones Stop peeling out with a passenger. Yeah, peeling out with a passenger hanging out. Did you hear what he said? Uh, I don't think they like the way I took the corner. No, you nut job. You were driving like a crazy person. And by the way, you look like a crazy person. I wish you could see this. He's got hair over his eyes. You can't see anything. I've seen, what's that dog that, you know, what's that dog that has like the strings coming down? Is it a sheep dog? And you, you wonder how the dog can see anything. He's got one of those. He's got that kind of hairdo. Oh, that's a good point. Is it a sheep dog? Okay, keep going. Passenger hanging out of the window. I can admit when I'm wrong, I was speeding a little bit. But um, either way, I don't think it was justified for them to throw a rock through my car rather than just call the police. Jones's mother believes more charges should be filed. There are kids, I was told, that speed in that neighborhood all the time, but they are not of his color. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that all this happened because my son's black. The race card. According to the arrest report, there were two teens inside of that car, Jones and his friend, who is white. I reached out to the sheriff's office to ask if race is a factor in their investigation. A spokesperson tells me they believe Jones's speeding initiated this. They are consulting with the state attorney's office, who will decide if any more charges should be filed. I also tried to reach both of the men who are now facing charges in this case, but my attempts to reach them were unsuccessful. In Seminole County, I'm Kathy. Catherine Silver, Getting Results, News 6. Getting Results. That's a pretty catchy for Getting Results. Well, her story was a lot more fair than the other. I give her I give her credit. I don't, uh, to some degree. I mean, she's still kind of annoying in the whole thing, and she's going to these guys, hassling them at work. All right? And, and maybe put this in a bit more perspective. And I think, quite frankly, she could call it out right then and there. Uh, they didn't like the way I took the corner. Ah! I mean, that's that's reckless driving. Now these guys, I mean, and you look at it, they got those, they got their mug shots, and you can feel it. You can feel the, the portrayal. Their chief offense here is being white. Their chief offense here is being white. If this were a dispute among people of color... Somehow, I don't think it would have been on the news. Do you? Hmm? I hate white supremacy. I also hate white minimalism or marginalization. I hate black marginalization as well. Well, why is it, quite frankly, and I know it sounds simplistic to the sophisticados out there, 
The B in black is capitalized, and the W in white is small. Small W, capital B. It makes It's starting to make me feel marginalized. It's starting to make me feel like I'm not all that. And that's what the culture is telling us day after day after day. Makes me remember the great old days of... I'm not talking about 1950. I'm talking about 2021, January 19th, when we had a president named Trump. Want to hear something great? Want to hear something that might uh, inspire you this weekend? It's not ancient history. It's very, very recent. We had a president who was unafraid, a, a, a true leader, unlike the scaredy cat. By the way, Joe Biden gave an interview to the Associated Press, it sounds like he's on life support during the interview. I mean, he's making no sense. He's not coherent. He's all over the place. Thank God for him. This is in print, and no one's going to read it, as opposed to being on television, where it could have been a total calamity. You want to get fired up? Let's get fired up in a good way. Donald Trump, July 4th, 2020, at Mount Rushmore, 60. This monument will never be desecrated. These heroes will never be defaced. Their legacy will never, ever be destroyed. Their achievements will never be forgotten. Our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history, defame our heroes, erase our values, and indoctrinate our children. Angry mobs are trying to tear down statues of our founders, deface our most sacred memorials, and unleash a wave of violent crime in our cities. Many of these people have no idea why they're doing this, but some know exactly what they are doing. They think the American people are weak and soft and submissive. But no, the American people are strong and proud. There is a new far-left fascism that demands absolute allegiance. If you do not speak its language, perform its rituals, recite its mantras, and follow its commandments, then you will be censored, banished, blacklisted, persecuted, and punished. Not going to happen to us if we're strong. If we're not afraid, if we stand up to the mob instead of running or giving them what they want, obedience, conformity, no way. Not this Marine. Maybe somebody else. Sean in Westchester, not you, right? Hello. Hello, Greg. Hello, Greg. Yes, sir. Hi. You're on the air. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Um, I was just. Curious, um, everybody's talking about uh, how the gas prices are going up. Why aren't we investing in biofuel? I, aren't we? Or more into corn and things. Nobody's talking about it. What? What? Like ethanol? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I know. I mean, we're, you know we're, we're always hearing about. We're always America, hearing. Uh, we're always I mean, hearing about. Hold on. We're always hearing about. So, oh, I know why. No, I don't know why, actually. Is it? Uh, no, I don't. Yeah, you're right. You never hear about ethanol anymore. Uh, I, 
I don't know. I mean, they're all about green this and green that and wind and solar and electric, but you don't hear about ethanol. You used to hear about ethanol a lot. Do you know why that is, Sean? I have no idea. All right. All right. Good question. I guess the oil companies don't want us uh, talking about it. Well, uh, that could be. That could be. I don't know. I don't know. Does that stuff even work? I mean, I've never heard of a car on ethanol in a long time, if ever. Uh, I'm pretty sure it does work. And if not, why don't we get the technology to make it work? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about ethanol and not much about corn either. But I will check it out. Thank you, Sean. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Barbara is on the phone from uh, Long Island again. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Greg. How are you? All right. What's happening? Good, good. I'm listening to the incident in Florida, and it's once again an example of people in our culture being encouraged to play to the media to get the attention you're talking about. But the other part of that is that creates additional pressure on our government to apply laws subjectively and unequally. And that's what we are seeing. And I'm sure Justice Thomas would agree with this. Justice Brandeis once said, our government teaches the whole people by its example. If the government becomes the lawbreaker, it breeds contempt for law. It invites anarchy. And that's what we are seeing in this country. Yeah. Yeah. We're being pushed. We're being pushed. We're being dragged apart. And we are heading towards anarchy. Well, look, I still think a lot of this does look worse uh, when you pick up your phone, um, when you turn on the television. It may look worse. Although then again, you know, I walk the streets and quite frankly, it doesn't look as bad on TV as it is in reality. So I don't know if that works anymore because I've used to I used to say that. Well, you know, they always want us to think we're at each other's throats and things are, things are never as bad as they look on TV. I don't know about that anymore. Hey, Barbara, do me a favor. Tell me a little bit about life on Long Island. Hey, you know, I'm thinking about running for mayor here in New York City. Good for you, because a lot of us on Long Island will not go into the city anymore because it is unsafe. And we know we will not be protected there, especially we know that the law enforcement now is pushed to be racist in their enforcement of the law. And instead of enforcing it equally, again, it is it is unequal and it is selective. So Long Island is wonderful. What a beautiful, beautiful place to live. So gorgeous. And the people are wonderful. But New York City needs some help very badly. So it if sure you could does. do that, that would be amazing. I'll take I'm taking a look at it. By the way, just tell me this real quick. Where do you live in Long Island? In the township of Huntington. Oh yeah. It seems like everybody I've ever met outside who's from Long Island. If, I, if I'm like, say, if I'm in Minnesota at the airport and I meet somebody from Long Island, they're almost always from either Huntington or Islip. Have you ever noticed that? I have noticed that because when I travel to my home state of Ohio or to Florida or where, and I say I'm from Huntington, people know where that is. Yeah. They uh, know where Huntington, Long Island is, and it is a wonderful town. It's a great place to live. Our, Long Island is amazing. Yeah. Uh, amazing? Uh <laughs> Amazing, amazing. Greg, look. If I drive ten minutes in one direction, I'm at Long Island Sound and beautiful beaches. If I drive fifteen minutes in the other direction, I'm at the ocean and all the ocean beaches. Yeah, I know, but I look. I lived on Long Island for a long time, and I never seemed to make that drive in the same day. You know what I mean? I know we seemed like I was always going to the store, to school. 
to the store. I mean, I had some good times on those beaches. Don't get me wrong. But uh, anyway, you're right. It is a great place. And also, it's the Cradle of Aviation. Check out that museum in Garden City. It's absolutely a gem. It's got a little piece of the moon there. It's got that lunar module that was going to go to the moon but didn't get its chance. Uh, it's got that model of the St. Louis, Spirit of St. Louis. It's got a lot of other cool knickknacks and whatnot. Thank you, Barbara. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. Hey, is there a Trump rally or what? He's in Nashville. He hasn't taken the stage yet. Um, oh, you... here he comes. Hang on. You want it? Can we turn it up? Let me hear Oh, it's just a song. Don't get me wrong, I love this song. No, you don't have to turn it down yet. Mm-mm. Thank you, Nashville. Thank you. That's me. Hold on. Oh, no, there's more song. I mean, I love this song, but don't get me wrong, but... All right, I got to turn it off. I'm sorry. It does get some... I Can I say that that song sometimes sometimes gets old? I mean, I'd really rather have him come out to like Iron Maiden or uh, ACDC Thunderstruck, you know? Thunder. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, let me turn it up one more time. Oh, jeez. All right, thank you. Thank you. I love it. I do, I, it, but I can't not right now. I'm more in a, you know, you guys know what I mean. All right, let me just go through this. You guys, Rush used to do this. Oh, boy, we're almost out of time. Eric in Manhattan, go. Hello? Yes, you're on the air. Hey, what's going on? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just want to say Juneteenth, whatever time I have. Juneteenth is proof that every time Donald Trump set a date for a rally or a speech or something, they're paying someone to, to go through the history books to look for any anything, anything they could throw at this guy, you know? Because, yeah. I mean, I know he, 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 he put that on the map. You know, it's ridiculous. It's just like this whole January 6th thing. You know, it's all about they're, they're so deathly afraid of him. It's, Eric, it's, you are right. You are right. You are right. I got to keep going. Thank you, buddy. Christian in Middletown. Go ahead. Hi, Greg. I just want to uh, tell um, Biden and the kid that the other day at the Pride Ceremony at the White House and to the, all the other alphabet soups zealots, it's, it's, not a, it's not a don't say gay bill. It's just not teaching LBGT issues from great kindergarten to third grade that should be extended to eighth grade. You're damn right. And you're talking about Javier, Javier at the White House. I didn't like him either. 18-year-old punk from Florida goes all the way to the White House to lie about America. I didn't like it one bit. But, Kristen, we appreciate you, your fascinating perspective. You happen to be uh, transgender, transitioning, but you lean conservative. And you don't like a lot of this stuff and how it's being pushed on kids. Did I get all that right? You got that right, sir. All right. To be continued. Thank you, pal. Um, uh, thank you, uh, Kristen. And then I want to go to, well, that's it, actually. You guys were on the, oh, yeah. Is Trump speaking yet? Go ahead. And live by those timeless words of our national motto, in God we trust. Sounds like it's indoors. To fight for a future that is pro-family, pro-faith, pro-freedom, pro-life, pro-police, pro-Second Amendment, pro-science, pro-woman, 
and 100% pro-American. Hot damn. I want to thank Faith and Freedom Coalition Executive Director Tim Head. Does a great job. All right. He's going to go through all the thank yous. And uh, what a great pro this, pro that. We are pro-woman, pro-America, pro-security. I love it. How can you argue with that agenda? That's where the left is really in trouble. And that's why they lie about him. That's why they lie about who he is and what he's done. Because his agenda is a pure one. It is pure. It is right. It is just. And they hate that. They hate him for a lot of reasons. Some of it's visceral. So they got to stop him. And uh, the only way to really do that is to lie and try to destroy him. But I don't think you can. (laughs) I think good triumphs over evil. I do. It's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. we got to be brave and strong. Thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend. Hey, it may be Friday. It may be late on Friday, 10 o'clock, but I'll be working my ass off at 10 p.m. Eastern time. 10 p.m. Eastern on Newsmax. Join me. It'll be great. Take care. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.